0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org/postscript.
1: Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you this morning. Thank you for coming. Those of you who have joined us here uh, in uh, Klein Campus Center Courts, uh, East and West uh, Woodlands Campus. Delightful to have you with us as well, and of course those of you who are joining us online, uh, great to, to see you this morning. Uh, this is going to be a fun morning because uh, I'm going to tell you this morning about one of my heroes. One of my heroes. I, I think um, probably all of us have heroes, right? Uh, you, you know, just depending on your 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 hobbies, your passions, your pursuits. Uh, if you're if you're uh, into basketball, maybe your hobby is, uh, you know, Steph Curry, or maybe it's LeBron, you know, or you're into cooking, you know, maybe uh, Paula Deen, uh if you're into uh, renovation, Chip and Joanna Gaines, uh, and if you're into archery, uh, Katniss, uh, and, or if you're into uh, photography, uh, Kim Kardashian, and, and, and so, you know, you, you probably, uh, you, you probably sort of have your, and, and here's the cool thing is that is maybe even some of us here this morning uh, even have our Bible heroes, uh, like like I actually have <clears throat> I have a, a New Testament hero and an Old Testament hero. Uh, my my Old Testament hero um, is is actually a, a guy by the name of Elisha. Elisha, uh, he was a, he happened to be a a bald-headed prophet. Uh, it's not funny. Uh, he, he was a little bit ill-tempered, but uh, but uh, but apparently a, a good-looking man, and uh, and, uh, and and uh, in fact, one of my f- absolute favorite uh, episodes, uh, Elisha is it, just awesome. Uh, in 2 Kings, I think it's chapter two. He was going into uh, Jerusalem to worship at the temple, and these little children started following along and 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 making fun of him. You know. Just making, you know, sort of laughing at him because he was bald. And, and, and literally the Bible says, true story, that they, the, the children were called yelling at him, taunting him, saying, go up you bald, Ted, go up you bald, Ted. And, and the Bible says that Elisha turned around and cursed the children. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the little ones. And I just find that story a blessing. I, uh, I remember I used it uh, as, a, as a children's message uh, to, at, at my last church, just before I was asked to leave, uh, sort of a way of kind of helping the young people recognize they need to respect Mr. Robbins. But, uh, but, but I'm going to actually tell you something one about one of my New Testament, one of my New Testament heroes, uh, and, and uh, this is a man by the name of Zacchaeus. How many of you have ever heard of the name Zacchaeus? Of course you have, of course you have. Uh, everybody knows Zacchaeus. Uh, I would guess that uh, if we were to actually vote on the best known uh, figure of uh, uh, the four Gospels, uh, Zacchaeus would probably be on the short list, ha ha ha. No, but, but I think uh, most of us probably know his name, we probably heard his story. In some ways, uh, I suppose one of the reasons that I, I sort of embrace Zacchaeus is because he is, I think in some ways, kind of a, kind of the patron saint of short people, you know, just like 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 Goliath is the patron saint of tall people, and Elisha patron saint of babysitters, and 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 for 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 me, when I think about I think about uh, Zacchaeus, I, I think this is a guy that I that I understand. He's sort of the patron saint of short. In fact, let's just do a quick inventory. How many of you are here this morning? How many of you here? Be honest. Kind of consider yourselves to be a short person. Raise your hand. Raise your hand no right but I mean that, that's the problem it that's the problem when you're a short person everybody's got a little quip a little joke that they want to offer to you about your stature and yet what makes this particular story I think so remarkable is that it's not just Zacchaeus' story it's not just his story it's our story it's my story. It's, it's, it's your story. And we're going to take some time this week and, and next week to go back and, and sort of re-hear this story. Maybe you've heard it a hundred times since you were a little child. Maybe you've never heard it before. My prayer for all of us is that God's Spirit will give us ears to hear this this amazing drama with a fresh hearing and an open heart. So uh, if you have a Bible, uh, let's turn to the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to follow along and read along with us, if you just put your hand up, these folks would love to make sure that you get one. So just uh, raise your hand right there. Great. And uh, you can turn to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark. Luke, and this is chapter 19 in the gospel of Luke. We're going to begin reading in the very, first, the very first verse. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. Now, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. At this point, we have a scene change. We're now at Zacchaeus' home. We are in his uh, dining area, as would have been customary in ancient Near Eastern culture. Uh, Jesus and the disciples are sort of reclining around the table. And and, and you can just begin to see as this uh, drama unfolds that that Zacchaeus cannot believe this. There they are in his dining room, Jesus and the disciples. And, 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 uh, and, and he's beginning to discover, it's like he's beginning to discover this whole new uh, arena of life that he never even knew existed. It's almost like a, a sunrise on a new day. He, he, he just stands up. Verse eighty. stands up and says to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus says to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He's a a child of the covenant. That, That Zacchaeus was Jewish, but now he's actually become what he was called to be. This, this, this man is now a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to this house. And I imagine Jesus, as he says this, sort of looking around at the other disciples, big, broad grin on his face because he, he, he sees what's going on here, this, this new discovery of someone beginning to kind of bust out of little puny ambitions and embracing a broad, abundant life. And he looks at the disciples and says, yeah, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. And and we don't know exactly. Verse 10, I don't know, but in my mind's eye as I imagine this scene, I almost wonder if these last words were spoken by Jesus under his breath. He's he's seeing this amazing scene of of discovery and wonder. And, and, And he's just thinking to himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. One of the, um, one of the observations I made early on as a youth pastor is that it was very, very easy for people to read through a pastor scripture like this, particularly young people, and, 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 and really sense no drama whatsoever, just kind of black and white you know words on the page and and uh, and it just sort of stripped it robbed it of any drama or any or any sense of 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 wonder and 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 so i began to try to figure out how to sort of address that and and one of the tactics that i used early on in my ministry was i began to use music we all realize the power of music i mean that's that's kind of what happens with the worship band is is we sing these words and put them to, to music and and it makes them come alive in a new way Um, Several years ago, me and some kids in my youth group actually wrote a song about this passage uh, in Luke chapter 19, uh, Zacchaeus, and uh, after much prayer and deliberation and a night of prayer and fasting, I've decided to sing it for you this morning. I, uh, you know, this is this is actually the anniversary of my tenth year here at Faith Bridge. I know some of you think, gosh, it seems longer than that, but, but uh, I have uh, actually been here ten years, and I thought, well, what a great way, what a great way to end my time, and and so uh, I'm going to actually sing for you this uh, this song that was written by me and a group of high school students. Um, Luke chapter 19, and uh, and the tune that we're using actually comes from an old old song that was. Very appropriate, I thought, for Zacchaeus. Uh, It's called Five Foot Two. And it goes like this. Here we go. Five foot two was a Jew and a tax collector too. Zacchaeus was a tiny man. Jesus was passing by. All the others stood too high. Zacchaeus was a tiny man. So he climbed a tree. Thinking he might see the Lord, but um, bum, bum, the Lord looked up, looked around, said, Zacchaeus, come on down at your house. I must stay, that is why I'm here today. Oh, Jesus was a hungry man. The crowd saw them head for dinner, disapproved because Zach's a sinner, but Jesus was a hungry man. Well, Zacchaeus said, I'll return all I have stole. If I have cheated anyone, I will pay them back for. Bald. Well, Jesus said, "Today is the time. Life is yours, and you are mine." Zacchaeus isn't tiny. His life is bright and shiny. Zacchaeus is a newborn man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of love in this room. <laughs> Probably a little bit of nausea as well, but um, you, know, you know, it's interesting when you begin to read through uh, the gospel of Luke uh, and you, you begin to notice as you read through the gospels uh, is that Jesus spent a lot of time eating with people. Jesus spent a lot of time eating with people. Uh, you know, meals are very, very important uh, social rituals in ancient Near Eastern culture. Typically, there were, there were two daily meals. There was one meal that happened late morning, uh, just before midday, and then there was another larger meal that happened uh, late evening. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus clearly took... Uh, meal times very, very seriously. In fact, a New Testament scholar by the name of Marcus Barth uh, actually put it this way. He said in approximately one-fifth of the sentences. Think about that. One-fifth of all the sentences in Luke's gospel and the book of Acts. Meals play a conspicuous role. One writer uh, said in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. So much so, in fact, that as you know, one of the accusations made against Jesus was that he was a glutton. He was a glutton and a drunkard. He ate too much and he drank too much. In fact, I counted uh, in the Gospel of Luke myself, I counted nine different episodes in Luke's Gospel where Jesus is having a meal with someone. I mean, basically, this is Anthony Bourdain goes to the Holy Land. I mean, Jesus actually says of himself in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And I'm starting, I'm starting here this morning for two reasons. First of all, this is actually uh, one area in my life in which I can actually claim to be fairly Christ-like. Uh, I, you know, I mean, you can ask my students, you know, they will tell you, oh yeah, Duffy has the gift of Chick-fil-A. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so at least in this one way, I can definitely uh, embrace the way of the Lord. But also, but also... Um, this, this just simple observation reminds us that meals and table fellowship are awesome opportunities for ministry. You know, what, what we see in Jesus' ministry isn't just some kind of manipulative, you know, uh, take a sinner to dinner, uh, you know, strategy or, 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 or you know, like, uh, you know, eat with a cheat campaign. That, that, that essentially, uh, Jesus' example reminds us that sharing the table is an authentic way we can love our neighbor it's a, it's a wonderful way we can this is a this is a ministry open to every single person that's what I love about it every single family every single individual you, you don't have to uh, wait for a committee to vote on this it doesn't take any special training no special education or credentials it, it's a very practical way to live out Christ's love sharing a meal with some and, and of course it's a, it's also a ministry we we can share as as a congregation I mean part of Part of the reason we do the celebrate freedom, uh, you know, one week from tonight, July third, is because we want to we want to practice this ministry of hospitality. We want people to to, to play with us and eat with us and laugh with us and do life with us, and, and it's a way of sort of loving our neighbor. In fact, let me just let me just stop here and say, um, we need we need um, about a hundred more volunteers. To, to, to do the kind of ministry you want to do next Sunday night. Uh, it, we got all kinds of stuff. You've you got this little uh, flyer in your, in your bulletin. You can see there we need people to do the food booth. You're going, oh, yes, I have a total burden for, for hot dogs. Uh, maybe uh, you have the gift of inflatables, face painting. But anyway, would you just, do, would you just take some time before you leave this morning, look at this, sign up, find out a place you can serve. Because this is a way collectively... We can we can sort of in a sense invite people to our invite people to our table and, and we're gonna have a lot of people here next Sunday and we need more volunteers. So so yeah, please please take time to do that before you before you leave today. What what makes this particular dinner in Luke chapter 19 so unusual is is who extends the dinner invitation and who actually demonstrates a deep and genuinely surprising Hunger, because this is this is sort of uh, the Bible's version of guess who's coming to dinner. Uh, you know, I think, as I said, what makes this story so remarkable, at least to me, is that as we read it, we begin to realize uh, that, that wait a minute, we are also invited to this feast. It's not just his story; it's it's our story. Uh, if you look at the text, you'll you'll notice that uh, Luke gives us three vital pieces of information as as he sketches out this portrait of, uh, of this guy, Zacchaeus. And, and, and the first of those three pieces of information uh, is, is right there in verse 3. You, you remember that in verse 2, uh, Luke has said that Jesus is coming through Jericho. And as he's coming through Jericho, he encounters uh, this figure, uh, Zacchaeus. And, and Zacchaeus, we read in verse 3, wants to see who Jesus was, but he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd. It's a very practical, very realistic situation. All of us who are low in altitude, uh, all of us have, uh, have reckoned with this. I, I don't know about you, but it just seems inevitably when I go to a parade, all of the tall people have gotten there early uh, to block us off and um and 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 uh, and it's hurtful and, and you know you 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 sort of jump up you know to try to see the, the band and you barely catch the top of the drum major's hat and and then you jump up again and the band's gone and you kind of crawl down between the legs and you get arrested and it's like you know you it, you, it, it, it is frustrating and i think i think you know what what we're seeing is very realistic that's one of the reasons i love scripture is that there's no attempt to embellish or sort of make something up. Here's this guy, Zacchaeus, who wants to see who Jesus is, but he can't because he is small of stature. I don't know when it actually dawned on me, when actually I realized, you know what, Duffy, this is it. This is your height. And uh, and 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 other people have continued to grow, and that 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 I'm a little bit shorter than the. I think honestly, I think it happened about seventh grade. I when I hit puberty because I can still remember like I I went home one night, came back to school the next day, and all the girls were tall, and it's like holy cow. And and uh, I mean you 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 know you that's hard because you as a young man you know you kind of want to be macho and you're going. You know, and uh, you, you kind of want to kiss your girlfriend goodnight, but you have to settle for a peck on the kneecap, and, uh, and uh, it, it's just not quite as, as romantic, and, uh, and I remember this, uh, that, that just this, this realization at one point that, you know what, Duffy, you are shorter than the average person, and, and now, you, you may not feel that way. Some of us, obviously, we know what this is like, but you may not, you may go, Duffy, no, that's not, you, you said this is my story, that's not my story. I, I'm, I'm pretty average, or maybe I'm above average in height, and I get that, but what I want us to understand this morning is you may not be short on height, but all of us feel like we're short on something. All of us feel like we're short on something. We, we live in a culture that constantly communicates to us we do not measure up. We, 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 all of us we sort of face this nonstop uh, assault of of magazine ads and TV commercials and online pop-ups and highway billboards that, that remind us that we smell bad, we dress funny, our skin looks old and pasty and, and we probably need a prescription drug to sustain our marriage and and uh, and, and and I think uh, uh, we're constantly sort of being reminded that we fall short that, that somehow we fall short I, I probably the most the most uh, common example of this would be in terms of physical appearance, right? Because we live in a culture that is obsessed, obsessed with beauty. I, I think because I'm a dad of, of daughters, uh, I, I might be particularly, um, I guess, aware of this, but I, I, uh, I just, I, I think about it, you know, how, for, you know, for example, we would, as little girls, we would give them Barbie dolls to play with, you know and. That seems fun and that seems innocent enough. Uh, except, you know, they, they kind of wake up, you know, some morning when they're 14, 15 years old. They've been playing with the Barbie doll for, you know, a few years. And then they wake up, uh, you know, 14, 15, and look in the mirror and go, I look more like Ken. And uh, you know, or, or they do look like Barbie, but they're a guy, and and uh, and and and, and just, just kinda, you, you just kind of you just kind of get this vibe that you know what you, you're not you're not lovable you're not lovable like 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 I remember when they were little girls, we took them uh, to see uh, the movie Beauty and the Beast. Remember that wonderful, you know just sweet disney film and it starts off typical disney plot you sort of meet this creature the beast who's sort of rodent like and your immediate you know impression is just response is just disgust he's repulsive you really want to exterminate him in front of the children and and uh and but as the plot develops you kind of realize oh my gosh underneath that gruff exterior there's there's something there, there's, there's a, there's a being there. And you and, and about halfway through the film, I am falling in love with the beast, you know? And I'm sort of sobbing, and my daughter's going, Dad, knock it off. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, I just wish you kids would marry a pit bull. I mean, you, you can't help it, you know? It's this awesome, awesome story. And, and and then by the time the movie ends, you go, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that fantastic? Hollywood is telling our children, it's not what you look like on the outside. It, it's, it, it's what's on the inside. That's, it, it, that's what makes you lovable. That's what makes you who you are. And then the movie ends. And do you remember how the movie ends? You remember? It ends with the beast becoming what? The incredible Hulk. It's like one more time, just before you walk out of the theater, Hollywood kind of grabs our kids by the collar and says, don't kid yourself. If you're not beautiful, you're not lovable. I mean, I, I, I said to my kids, wouldn't it have been great if the film had ended with the beast becoming a short, pudgy, bald man? But, but, but again, not funny. But 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 that, that, that's kind of the culture in which we live. And, of course, it's not always physical appearance, is it? It's, it, it's the hundred and one ways that uh, that that all of us seem to fall short on a daily basis you know we're not you're not smart enough you're not experienced enough you're not hip enough you're not rich enough you're not young enough you're not old enough you, you don't have enough followers on on pinterest and facebook and twitter and and Fa- you know and, and, and instagram and, and and like you don't Heaven help you you don't even know how to use Facebook like you thought you had two friends but you don't know how it happened you discovered. They were both you. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and what's scary is that one of you actually unfriended yourself. And, you know, that, it, we, we may not feel like this morning that we're short on height. But all of us feel like we're short on something. All of us do. We camouflage it. We hide it. We don't talk about it. But it drives us. It drives us and it bullies us and it starves us of the joy of abundant life. This, this isn't just Zacchaeus' story. It's our story. I don't know this morning where you fall short, but you do. You do. Zacchaeus was short on height. But there's a second place that uh, Luke uh, kind of points us to in his profile of Zacchaeus, a second piece of information. Uh, Luke tells us uh, that not only was Zacchaeus short on height, he was also short on On friends, he was short on friends, and why not? I mean, let's let's uh, you know, let's. Luke tells us very very clearly here, verse two, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, now I want to be polite here, uh, and and I and I apologize to any of you who may work for our nation's Internal Revenue Service, uh, but let's just get it out there on the table. Uh, In general, I, I think it's fair to say tax collectors are not widely popular people. Uh, you know, we, we've all heard lawyer jokes, right? Uh, a, a, you know, and, and, and they are not funny. Uh, you know, what's the difference between a lawyer and a vulture? A uh, lawyer gets frequent flyer miles. Uh, and how does a lawyer sleep at night? Oh, he lies on one side, and then he turns over and lies on the other side. Uh, what's the difference between a buffalo and a lawyer? Oh, the lawyer charges more. Uh, and and in, my favorite, my favorite... Uh, you actually get a two for if a lawyer and an IRS agent were both drowning and you could only save one of them what would you do go to lunch or read the paper I, I, you know it's it, it's just you you, you we realize, I think, that there are just certain professions, you know, certain professions that just seem to be kind of popular targets of of, of scorn. And and like lawyers, who do not, of course, deserve this ridicule, uh, tax collectors were roundly disliked and hated in Jewish culture, and, and and frankly, for good reason, because the Romans and the local authorities of that time they they imposed lots of different. Taxes and tolls on the people who lived in Palestine it was sort of a way of keeping the, the boot of Rome on the back of the necks of, of the Jews. It was kind of a time uh, told methodology of submitting a people to, uh, to, to your will and, uh, and and the way they would do this is they would actually collect these taxes through hired agents over whom they exercised almost zero control or accountability. So these guys would routinely go out, and they would tack on your tax bill a surcharge, uh, and, and, and they would make a nice profit, and, and then they would pay the rest uh, to Rome, and, uh, and so they could actually make a living by just kind of uh, filching the population, and because there was no accountability, you could quite literally be robbed by trying to pay your tax bill. In short, it was a system not unlike our own here in the state. but but it was it was a, it was a very difficult, very unfair system, and these guys were essentially crooks. Everybody knew it. In fact, it's interesting um, when you actually look at the Greek. Luke even describes Zacchaeus in verse two as simply a man, and the Greek term that he uses there for man is not the normal term anthropos. It's actually a, a Greek term that means man. It's translated man, but it's sort of like it, it's sort of like a poor excuse for a man. It's, 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 it's sort of less a lesser man. What's stunning about it, what's absolutely shocking about this, maybe even scandalous as you read through the gospel, is that even though everybody else hated tax collectors, Jesus actually loved them. Jesus actually cared for them. He he, he didn't love that they were cheats, right? I mean, he he didn't love they were cheats. He didn't say, hey, guys, keep on, uh, you know, being crooked. Uh, You know, love wins. Uh, But but what is clear from the references is, is that nobody, Jesus wanted people to know, you have never gone too far to outrun and outreach my love. I mean, in fact, six times, six times in the gospel of Luke alone, Tax collectors are mentioned. And, and even while they're their cheating and conniving, the spin on the story is always okay. These guys aren't angels, but at least they aren't pompous religious heretics. Who could love a guy like Zacchaeus? Jesus could. Jesus could. He, 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 he had a heart for the outlaw. But the Jews, they hated tax collectors. They hated them, and they hated the whole system that allowed them to operate. And then, of course, you add to this their hatred, the fact that, Jesus, uh, that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a chief tax uh, sort of a supervisor uh, over a, a region, sort of a district manager. Think Amway Diamond level. Uh, and, and, and you can begin to understand why there was such a, such a raw hatred. He wasn't just the tax collector or a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And if all that weren't enough, Zacchaeus, of course, was himself a Jew. He was just a Jew. So he basically making good money by swindling and embezzling funds from his own people so that he could make a quick buck off of this crooked system uh, of Rome that oppresses his own people. No wonder everybody hated Zacchaeus. No wonder he was short on, on, on friends. When you live a life like that, you are going to be the object of scorn. You could almost imagine Zacchaeus walking down the main drag there in Jericho. And, and he, could, he could hear the whispers and, 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 and almost in the periphery see people pointing at him with, 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 with anger and scorn. And, and, and probably as he walked down the street, parents would, would pull their children over to the other side of, of the road. He was, he was not just short on height. He was short on friends. Now, let me say, I understand. Most of us here this morning, most of us here this morning probably don't see ourselves as as swindlers and, and cheats, agents of some oppressive uh, regime. But I also know this, that, that most of us do know what it feels like to be lonely. Most of us know what it's like to be We We know what it's like to wonder if anybody really cares if, if who are our real friends is there anybody that actually loves me shortcomings and all we walk into a crowded office on monday morning and and we wonder is there anybody here that really knows me and 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 cares about me, or we walk down the hallway of the high school and locker doors are slamming, and people are laughing and talking, but we still feel really alone. some of us feel that way, even in our own dining room, sitting at the table with our own family. Do, do any of these people know me and love me for who I am? Can I trust these people is there Is there anybody who really knows me and loves me I, I, all of us probably uh, in, in this room this morning have had that experience where, where you, you walk into the lunchroom at school, remember that feeling, and, and, and you frantically scan the killing fields you know, to, for a safe place to, to sit down, desperately hoping that somebody will call your name or that you'll glance down and see a, a friendly face. I got to think that at least a little bit, um, Zacchaeus knew that kind of loneliness, he knew that kind of loneliness. But it's not just his story. That's our story. We know that. We've lived that story. Zacchaeus was short on height. He was short on friends. But there was one thing he was not short of. What was that? That was money. He, he had money. He may have been short on height. He may have been short on friends. He was not short on Funds. He was. Luke says it very, very briefly. There's nothing delicate or discreet about it. Luke says he was rich. Everything money could buy, Zacchaeus had it. Probably had a beautiful home out in the suburbs, of Jericho, Jericho Estates. Uh, you know, Forenza robe, Reebok sandals that pump up. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, it was almost as if you wonder if it was almost as if if he thought if he could just get enough money he could sort of buy off some of the emptiness that he felt in his his life, that if he could just get more stuff, it would buy him the respect that he could never get. After all, I think most of us are aware, people people are are drawn to money, and he might have thought to himself, maybe if I get get more money, uh, he could get more friends, and if he had the right friends, he could get more money, and if he had more money, he could get more stuff, and, and, and we all know how the cycle goes, how the game is played. And I, I'm guessing that some of you are going, yes, I know the game, but it's a game. I'm not playing. I'm not a part of it. This is where your thing, Duffy, your deal about me being this, being my story, the parallel, this is where it stops because I am not a wealthy person. I mean, some of us, some of us are. We know we are, but some of us, most of us can, no, no, that's not me. Nobody would say, oh, yes, she is rich. Or he is his, his rich. And I get that. I get that. But here's where I'm pretty confident. We want to be. We, we want to be. Because that's the American dream, right? You, you, you make as much money as you can, get the biggest house possible, accumulate as much stuff as possible because he who dies with the most toys wins. It's not just Zacchaeus' story. This, is, this, is, this I think, for most of us is a story we know very, very well. Zacchaeus was a man who was short on height. He was short on friends' The one place he was definitely a very, very big man. He was clearly not short on funds. And yet, and yet, there was something missing. There was was an emptiness that haunted him. There must have been a a larger, deeper hunger in his soul, an ache in his gut. I don't don't know. I'm not saying he didn't enjoy his money. Uh, You know, we all know the song, uh, money can't buy happiness, but it can what? Buy me a boat. It can buy me a boat and, and a truck to tow it. You know, I, I get that. I get that. But the only way you can account for what happened that day on the streets of Jericho when this grown man, a, a very public official, according to verse 3, abandons all dignity, all pretense, and ran ahead of the crowd so he could climb up into a sycamore fig tree Because he was seeking to see who Jesus was. That's a guy. That's a guy who's hungry for something more than money. That's a guy whose bank account is full, but his his soul is, is empty. And it was in that hunger that the stage was prepared for one of the most dramatic encounters in the entire Gospel of Luke. Jesus is on the street. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And the table is set for an amazing feast. Guess who's coming to dinner. And that's where we're going to pick up the story next week. Um, I want to invite your friends to come. Invite your friends. And then take them out to lunch after the service. Have them by. Uh, They they need to have this opportunity to practice Christian hospitality with you. Uh, And and again... uh, Please, uh, July 3rd, we're going to have this amazing deal here. Celebrate freedom. Take time. Think about how can I serve? How can we get people to share at the table with us? I want to close this morning by reading a passage of Scripture. I-, I kept thinking of this passage this week as I read these words in Luke chapter 19. It's from a passage in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah writes this. Come, come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest of fare. Lord, thank you again for these words this morning. Thank you for the truth that you seek us to save us. That maybe there's someone here this morning who goes, well, I'm, uh, you don't know my story and, and you don't know what I've done or you don't know what I think or you don't know where I've been. Here's what I know. Here's what I see in the word of God is that there is no one who can drive beyond the radar, who can run beyond the radar of God's love. That you are a pursuer, of the outlaw. You love the desperado. We read in Romans that that while we were yet sinners, Jesus showed his love for us by dying for us. Lord, I pray this week that you would haunt us with this great news. That you would maybe woo us in the same way your spirit wooed Zacchaeus. That he, uh, he did some pretty radical, scandalous stuff because he was tired of playing rich when he knew in his heart he was poor. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you love us. Be with us this week. Thank you for the chance to worship you today. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen.
0: Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. And welcome to Postscript. I'm Lou Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with Bible teacher Duffy Robbins, who just brought us a message from Luke 19 and the story of Zacchaeus. Correct. And I love how you talked about you have a Old Testament Bible hero, hero and yeah. a New Testament. Um, and so today we talked about Zacchaeus um, and just what we can learn from his interaction with Jesus. And I know most of the time we think about outreach um, as something large scale that we have to do, like Mm -hmm. Billy Graham, or going to a third world country. Um, But you really brought some simple, practical ways that we can do outreach. Can you talk about this?
1: Well, you know, that's one of the things that's remarkable about Jesus's ministry is how, um, how, how natural it was. It was an outgrowth of who he was. And uh, and and you see this in a number of situations where his most significant conversations were prompted out of everyday experiences. You know, the most obvious uh, example is the woman at the well. You know, and and uh, um, but but he did he did have this habit. I mean, literally, there there was uh, there's one kind of scholarly article in a in a kind of a Bible journal that talked about uh, Jesus. Uh, you know, dining his way through the gospels or eating his way through the gospels, because he does. He 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 realizes. Well, in that in that culture, dining was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You, you got to realize. I mean, we have to realize there. Of course, there's no electricity. Mm-hmm. So when you have a meal at night, um, you know, the as the light dies in the outside, you know, you're left now with candles. And I think it probably prompted great conversation. Um, you know, and so Jesus made use of that. And 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 you're right. I think you know, as a Christian, I, I, when I think about evangelism, I go, oh, I have to share the four laws. And but but evangelism could be you know a four course dinner. I mean, it could be four food groups. It could just be saying, uh, you know, like I have some guys that I meet with um, every. I have two different groups that I meet with every other week, college guys. And and, and in that case, it's not evangelism, but it's just breakfast and. And there's something about the communication that can happen there that can't happen when in a lot of other contexts. and uh, And so I think um, you know that's one of the unique parts about Jesus's ministry is a lot of it happened on the road. We tend to think of ministry as something that happens on a Sunday. Uh, for Jesus, it was you know Monday through Saturday. And the everyday conversations that happened around meals, or just uh, you know doing stuff together, talking to you take with a, uh, your friend to a movie and then talk about maybe some of the themes in the movie. So it doesn't have to be like you said a Billy Graham crusade or some grandiose or or step by step process that we walk somebody through. That's great, mm-hmm. you know the Roman road for spiritual law. That's great. Those are great, but but it's not the only way to, to bring someone, invite someone to come to know Jesus.
0: Right. And I think what you said is so important is that um, there's such a relational component to it. And Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes um, we as believers are scared or afraid to enter into those kind of relationships maybe with a non-believer or the way we see Jesus dining with sinners is because we feel does that affirm their sin? Does that say that I'm affirming Whatever the lifestyle is, or how far they are from God, or things like yeah. that. So, how how do you see Jesus balance? Is it
1: really, that? Engaged a really that's it's an awkward and difficult question because because uh, um, yeah, we 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 feel complicit somehow, or at least it's a tacit approval of of, of the sin they're involved in. Um, what you see in Jesus was this tension that. That um, he was able to maintain and, and, and model, where, for example, with the woman at, you know who was caught in the act of adultery, mm-hmm. you know he was saying, "Look, I'm not going to condemn you, but he said, mm-hmm. you know, don't sin anymore." Mm-hmm. But that was at the tail end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after he had offered her something to drink, and and uh, and it was after they had, had had that time there, where he could kind of. Uh, uh, where he could you know talk with her about what's gone what's what where are these other people gone and why are they have they have, do they condemn you and I don't condemn you it, he was he was willing to, to actually uh, call sin sin and if you, if you look at the scripture uh, contrary to a lot of the kind of cultural noise uh, Jesus was actually pretty pretty uh, willing to call people out but more often than not, when he called people out, it was people who thought they were righteous. It was the self-righteous people. Um, but he was, he, was, he was actually pretty clear on some of those issues. But I think in the case of Zacchaeus, um, he realized this is a guy who is not, uh, you, know, he's not a, you know, he's not a follower of, of God's word. He's not a follower of Torah. He's not following the law. And in a sense, he, although he's not doing what God calls him to do, He's doing what I might expect a sinner to do. Mm -hmm. And you can't say, well, I'm not gonna gonna share the gospel with somebody until they become a Christian. (laughs) You you know, we have to to embrace them where they are, and that's the nature of incarnation. God came and met us, you know, like Paul says in Romans, while we were yet sinners. Mm -hmm. God showed his love for us. It's hard, it's really, really hard. I mean, when I say it's hard, I don't mean just generically, I mean for me. I've been in situations where I've struggled with precisely that question like how can I how can I have a, the next conversation with this person without somewhere in that conversation talking about this to me it's like a big huge elephant mm-hmm. in the room okay. and 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 maybe you know that will have to happen mm-hmm. but um, but I also think that that Jesus was this master at saying you know what Zacchaeus doesn't have to stop doing what he's doing to for me to want to love him, for me to care about him. He doesn't have to stop and clean up his house before I go to it. Uh, I'm gonna go to his house and then we'll clean it up together. If if the gospel is good news at all, it basically says that we can come to him with, we can invite him into our dirty house Mm. and say, you wanna eat at this place? You wanna have dinner here? That's amazing. That's grace. I know it's unsanitary. But if you're willing to come, come. And then let Jesus help you clean out the house. That's
0: so good. Um, And so you're back again next week with us.
1: Next week, Yes,
0: part two of the song and dance. Uh, I promise I will never, ever
1: sing again in uh, a service. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah that would yeah, so but next week, uh, I promise no singing, but uh, but yeah, i'm gonna I'm gonna kind of, you know, I stopped right at the pivotal point. Zacchaeus mm-hmm. is on the tree, Jesus is on hanging. the street, left us Let's hanging. hanging. Um, but uh, but yeah, as you know, um, there is a scene change in that narrative. And uh, next we go to Zacchaeus' uh, house, and and we're going to talk about like, well, what, what, what does it mean? How how does one actually become a Christian? How does one become a follower of Christ? And uh, and there's it's it's so rich, it's such a rich text that I didn't want to rush it. Um, and so we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about that next week, and um, and maybe talk a little bit too about uh, the idea of of uh, how, can, how can Jesus love us even though we are tax collectors and sinners? How can he meet us and love us and look beyond these things that, that most people uh, weren't willing to do, as, nor are we willing to do? And how do, we, how do we get beyond that? And so we'll talk about that some uh, next week as well.
0: Great. Looking forward to having you back again next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org postscript.